you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to open it and get with me to Matthew chapter, what are we on now, 6? Matthew chapter 6. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're looking at the teaching of our Lord, and we're trying to figure out how we can live faithfully in this chaotic world. And we want to, first and foremost, behave Christianly. And so that's one of the reasons why we're in the Sermon on the Mount. We're trying to learn from our Lord, and we're trying to respond with faith and obedience. So, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 to 8. We'll pass over the Lord's Prayer because we'll deal with that next week. And then we'll read verses 16 to 18. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Skip down to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on Put oil on your head and wash your face so that, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Lord, we ask right now that by your Spirit, through your Word, you would speak to each and every one of us, both here in person and those who are watching from home. Lord, would you help us to hear your voice loud and clear? And Lord, help us to consider this incredible teaching on righteousness and help us to recognize that, that we, can, we can do really good and significant things, but we can actually pervert them when our, mo when our motivations are off. And so help us, Lord, to be changed at the level of the heart so that all that we might be doing could be pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's situate this in the sermon, the, the larger picture of what's been going on. If you recall, the Lord has been teaching this idea that he expects his followers to have a righteousness that is better or surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he says, in fact, back in chapter 5, verse 20, that if you, if you don't have a righteousness like that, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And then what he does is he unpacks the differences. He, he compares the two, the righteousness of a kingdom citizen over against the righteousness of somebody who's kind of faking it, so to speak. And he shows 
You've heard that it's said, and he kind of points out a handful of different things. You've heard that it's been said that, you know, you, you shouldn't murder somebody. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? That's a, that would be a bad thing. But he says the true righteousness of the kingdom, it goes deeper than that. You, sh- you, should, con- you should be concerned with anger that is in your heart. You've heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery. That's great. That's right. But I tell you, Jesus says, if you look at a woman lustfully, there's a problem there. That's sin in the heart. So he's showing us this different kind of righteousness that goes down deep. He's showing us that the true righteousness of kingdom citizens is, is at the level of heart change. So he's not really impressed with behavior modification. He wants to change us at the level of the soul. I hope that makes sense to you. He doesn't want us simply to, behaving and to be behaving in a certain way. He actually wants us to be changed down deep so that the things that we're doing are, are an outworking of who we are in Christ. So to use another uh, metaphor from Scripture, it's like a tree. And Jesus is saying, I don't just care about the fruit. I care about the kind of tree that you are. A lot of people who are doing spiritual things, they're, they're looking at the fruit. And every time a rotten fruit comes up, they pluck it off and they throw it away. They clean the tree up. That's behavior modification. Bad, bad fruit comes out, they look at it, they go, oh no, there's another bad one. They take it off, they throw it away. And then they say, look at this beautiful, pure tree. Look, there's no rotten fruit on here. And Jesus is like, well, I've got a question. Why does the tree keep producing rotten fruit? Something's wrong with the tree. Let's not just look at the fruit. Let's look at the, the cause of that behavior. Let's figure out what's going on deep down at the heart level. And Jesus is teaching us that the, the righteousness that he wants goes down that deep. It changes us to that level. And he describes all these different behaviors in the previous sections. But then he comes to chapter 6 and, and he begins to bring forward these spiritual experiences. And and it's kind of discouraging because we're like, surely if we're going to do these good things, God's going to be pleased. And Jesus says, well, hold on. Hold your horses there. There's a way to do even really, really good and important and significant things in a way that perverts them. And so he teaches us about giving to the needing, to the needy, praying, and fasting. And he says there are ways to pervert those three beautiful things. So let's look at it. The the main idea is given to us in verse 1. He doesn't bury the lead. He just tells us, here's what I'm talking about. Verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful that your righteousness is not done in a way that's performative, in a way that's saying, look at me. Look at how good I am. Look at these good and beautiful things that I'm doing. He says, if you, do, if you do those things in that way, you will not receive a reward from your Father in heaven. That's the point that he's making. And then I'll use three different uh, examples to, to teach on this one point. So he's saying, I want your righteousness to be sincere. And I want it to be something that is mainly a concern between you and your heavenly Father. Without reference to other people who might be observing, I want your righteousness and the spiritual things that you're doing to actually have this concern for your relationship with the Heavenly Father. If it is more concerned with the audience of people who might observe you doing it, 
He says, you will receive no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, we'll, we'll unpack that as we go, but let's, let's get after it. The first thing that he talks about is giving. Giving to the needy. This is, a, this is an important idea. In fact, it's consistently taught throughout Scripture that the people of God need to be incredibly generous because God is incredibly generous to us. So we give to the needy. In the Old Testament, there were all kinds of provisions for this. In fact, if you had a field, there was a certain way you were to harvest it. You were to leave a certain amount behind so that those who were impoverished would be able to come in after you and glean from the leftovers and and they would be able to find the sustenance that they need. So as a society, they were committed to giving to the needy. There were all kinds of other opportunities to give to the needy as well. Throughout Scripture, over and over again, the people of God are encouraged to be generous. The New Testament teaches as much as well. In fact, I would say it kind of ramps up the expectation on us that we ought to be incredibly generous with our resources, with our time, with our energy. We ought to be willing to give to those who are in need. And so this idea obviously is very important, and it is assumed, as all three of these will be, it is assumed that we're going to do this. When you give, so Jesus is saying, this is just what my people will do. So when you do it, which we'll, we'll have to talk about how we might be doing these things here in a minute, but when you do this, here's the teaching, be careful that you're not doing it to be seen by others. Verse two, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So when you give, do not draw attention to it. Do not be like the hypocrites, these actors who are putting on a show. And and I believe that he's referencing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He's saying there are these individuals who when they give, they're doing it in a way that's trying to draw attention to themselves in order that people would do this. Hey, you're doing an awesome job. Did you give all that money to those people? That is amazing. And they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know I'm awesome. Do not do it like the hypocrites who are performing in a way that's trying to draw attention to themselves, but you need to do it different. He says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They've gotten what they were looking for. They received the applause of humanity, and therefore there will be no ovation in heaven. They have received what they were looking for. They were looking for other people to acknowledge how spiritual they are, how righteous they are, how great they are. And having received that praise from others, the Lord is saying they've, they, that account is closed. There's no, there's no expectation for further payment. When they get to heaven, if they do get to heaven, they will not receive a reward from the Father there because they've already gotten what they were looking for, the applause and approval of mankind. So um, we, need to, we need to recognize the significance of this teaching because he's saying that when you do these good and beautiful things, it is possible to pervert them. So we do not want to draw attention to ourselves. We, we want to do it in a way that is private. Now, when he says they've received their reward in full, it's an accounting term. It's saying that account is, is paid in full. So to use an illustration from the building, as we hire contractors to do different things, there, there are 
open accounts right now. People who are going to provide sanctuary doors. Um, people who are going to provide drywalling, you know, taping and mudding and those sorts of things. And you, you, you shake on it and you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. But then that account is held open. And the expectation is that they're going to be very motivated to do the work and do the work well because they don't have their check yet. And they're, they're going to continue to, to, you know, perform and do what's expected of them, but those accounts are wide open. Now, there are a couple of accounts that we have closed, and there's one in particular that I was very happy to close. And it's basically saying, you've gotten your check. We no longer have to do business together. You've gotten what you wanted, and now that's over. That's kind of the idea that's here. When a, when a hypocrite is, is doing things for the sake of other people, and they get their applause on earth, it's like God saying, that account is closed. There's no further payment coming your way. So if you're going to do your spiritual expressions in a way that's seeking to get applause from people, do not expect an ovation in heaven. That account is already settled, and that will travel through all three of these different examples. Now, he's telling us then that we need to be private in the way that we go about these different expressions of our spirituality. Verses 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. There's a privacy about this. He's saying that as you give, you should be concerned, not with other people being aware of it. In fact, do it in such a way that your right hand wouldn't even know what your left hand is doing. Do it with such discretion that it's not drawing attention to it at all. And your father, who, is, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. There's a privacy about this thing that, that is really, I think, the point in all three of them, that God wants us to be willing to do things in a way that, that doesn't need an applause from anybody because we recognize that we're doing it for God. And so our giving needs to look like that. Now, as I'll point out in a few minutes, I, I don't want to absolutize the teaching. I, I don't think that it's right to say every time you give, do it so secretly that no one would ever be aware of it. Um, in fact, earlier in the sermon itself, Jesus says, shine your light. Like there's a way in which you're a Christian and that's supposed to be on display. People are supposed to see your good deeds and glorify God. So this is not a, a call to be a, a spiritual hermit that just kind of pulls away from everybody and doesn't want to show anything to anybody, but it's saying there's a, there's a proper motivation to all your spiritual activity, and it is a concern with your heavenly Father. That's what you should be caring about, is your relationship with your Father, so that when you give, you're doing it with a secrecy, because you genuinely, you genuinely want to benefit other people, and you're doing it with an awareness of the heavenly Father who is so generous to you. So, the church, we need to be generous when you give. It's expected that we would be people who take of our resources and we look for opportunities to, to bless other people. I would, just to be very practical, I would put it like this. You should do it in a way that is proportionate to your income. You should think through how you could give with a regularity that reflects your you know, regularity of paychecks coming in or whatever that looks like for you. And you should do that joyfully. And you should try to create margin in your life so that as needs come up, you're able to meet those needs. You should give in those sorts of ways. But as you're doing that, 
be aware of your heart motivation. Do it in such a way that you're, you're not trying to draw attention to you. You're doing it with a privacy, with a secrecy, with a concern, mainly for glorifying God. And God will be pleased with that. Secondly, he talks about praying. Now, praying at its simplest form is communication with God. It's, it's the recognition that God made us and he communicates to us. And the expectation is we would reciprocate that. We would listen to him. We would wait on him. We would, we would listen to his voice as revealed in scripture. We would close our eyes and we would talk to him and we would do all these different things. And the expectation again is that we would do this when you pray. It's assumed we're going to pray. We're a people who are called to talk to the Lord. Um, but he says, when you pray, verse 5, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, don't do it in a way that's trying to draw attention to you. Now, you might think, okay, well, I'll never pray in public then. That's my solution. I just won't pray in front of people. Uh, but I don't know if that's an option. In fact, I see in Scripture over and over again that there, there are plenty of opportunities for people to be praying out in the open. In fact, the Lord himself did that. He prayed and he, he made mention of that. I'm praying these things for the sake of the people who can hear my voice right now. He would pray in public. That's a good and beautiful thing. But this is saying here that when we pray, don't do it trying to impress other people. Don't do it in a way where you're saying, look at me and how spiritual I am. You, you can tell when people start praying and all of a sudden they sound like a different person. They, they, they're praying in a way where you're like, you're kind of leaning in and you're like, whoa, you're, you're such a spiritual person, aren't you? And, and they use all kinds of language that you've never heard before and it's drawing attention to them and they're praying sometimes with like passion and fervor and you're looking at them and you're going, wow, look, look at this incredibly spiritual person. And, and Jesus is saying, be careful that when you pray, you're not going about that activity in a way that's trying to draw attention to yourself. Don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners where people can see them and hear them and acknowledge them and pat them on their backs and go, wow, I'm so glad that you're in my community praying for the things that I care about. And they're going, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. I'm doing a great job here. Jesus is saying, be careful about your, your heart's posture in all of this. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites seeking an audience to be heard by them, but instead do it privately. Look at verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Pray in a way where you are willing to draw away privately to be with your heavenly father who is unseen. Don't let all of your prayers be out in the open so that people are looking at you thinking, wow, you're such a wonderful prayer. You're such a spiritual individual. But when you pray, go into a space of privacy, close the door, and commune with your secret heavenly Father in that secret place, in that private place, and He, He will reward you. So it's calling us to be careful about the way in which we think about praying. He goes on to, to say in verses 7 and 8, 
Another, another comparison, this time not to the religious leaders, but to the unbelievers. And he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So he's saying, don't pray like the actors who are putting it on open display to be praised by other people. And don't pray like unbelievers who treat prayer like it's this kind of magic spell that if they say the right things, God will do the right things for them. He's saying, no, your father knows exactly what you need. So talk to him honestly, openly, clearly. Talk to him like a heavenly father who knows what you need, and you can simply ask him for those things. So we're told to evaluate the way in which we communicate with God. We need to be a people who are praying, right? I think that's obvious. When you pray, we should be a people who are constantly going before the throne of God's grace, but we need to be aware of the temptation in prayer itself to make it about something other than God, to make it about your own glory, to make it about people recognizing how spiritually mature you perceive yourself to be. So praying is the second thing that he looks at. And then third, he looks at this idea of fasting. And fasting, uh, because it's not taught on very much, we just need to clarify what we mean by it. This is not a diet. This is not like a weight loss diet. Fasting is when you're choosing not to eat because you recognize that you were built for something more than food. You were built to be in a relationship with God. And so throughout the scriptures, over and over again, God teaches this idea of refraining or not eating. And, and then when your body is telling you that it's time to eat, you say, I need something more than food. That's exactly what the Lord did when he was fasting and praying in the desert wilderness. And Satan came to tempt him and he said, you're very powerful and very hungry. Why don't you combine those two things? Why don't you take this stone over here and turn it into a loaf of bread? And then you'd be able to eat and satisfy your hunger, and uh, it would reveal your incredible power and might. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're misunderstanding the whole gig. He says, man does not, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, and he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Humanity was built not just to get a good meal, but it was built to be dependent upon God. I don't know if you're like me, but I've got an internal clock, and it's pretty effective at telling me when it's mealtime. It will begin to tell me, Cor, you need to fill the tank. You're getting hungry. You're getting irritable. You're getting hangry. Uh, my kids are well aware of this. Um, you're, you're, my, my internal clock is telling me it is time to eat. Now, fasting is when you say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat food right now, but I'm going to take that hunger and I'm going to turn it into a hunger for God. If my body's saying, I need food and sustenance right now, my soul is screaming out, you need God. And you need God more than you need a meal. And so fasting is an activity whereby you're refraining from eating so that you might pursue a greater hunger for God and a satisfaction that only God can provide. But, but it's both just revealing our dependency on Him. Both actual hunger and spiritual hunger reveal a dependency upon God. And so what we do is we, we have all kinds of options here. If you read the Bible, you can find that people will fast from certain items on the menu, or they can fast from certain meals, or they can fast for a certain amount of time. They can fast for a variety of different reasons even, including repentance for sin. 
If you're familiar with the story of Jonah, Jonah goes to a major city, and the message is, in 40 days, God is going to overturn this city. He's going to destroy this city. And the king is an unbeliever, but he has the, the wherewithal to say, this is a problem, so let's do this. He declares a national fast. He says, everyone stop eating and fast and pray, and maybe God will be merciful to us. Oh, and by the way, do this in a way where you, you publicly declare that you're fasting. Put on sackcloth and ashes. There were things that people would do back in their, in, in their society where they would put on a certain outfit that would indicate they're in mourning. And sometimes that mourning and that fasting would be paired together. So he says, put on sackcloth so that everyone would know you, you are fasting right now. Put ashes on your head. And sure enough, God is merciful to the Ninevites. Now Jesus comes along and he says, okay, my followers are going to fast. When you fast, it's assumed. But, but, I, but Jesus is saying there's a problem though. Some people are using fasting as an opportunity to advertise their spiritual maturity. They're putting on their sackcloth, they're putting on their ashes, and they're basically saying, look at me. Look at this spiritual activity that I'm engaged in. They're drawing attention to themselves. Verse 16, Jesus says, don't do it that way. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Don't do it like them. They're, they're trying to draw attention to themselves. They're walking around. You can read it on their faces. What's wrong with you? Oh, oh you're fasting. Good for you. You're a very spiritual, in, spiritual person, obviously. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. When you fast, do it differently. Don't do it to receive the praise of others. Do it with an awareness of your Father in heaven. Verses 17 and 18. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Take a shower, comb your hair, make yourself presentable. Do not make it obvious that you are doing this spiritual activity of fasting. Do it with a privacy about it so that God, who sees all things, is fully aware of what you're doing and your motivation is your relationship with Him and He therefore will reward you handsomely for doing it in a way that is pure and right. So what's the point? Three different examples of spiritual practices that Jesus has given us here. What's the point? Again, it's in verse 1. It's this idea that we should practice our righteousness in a way that's acknowledging God and not in a way that's seeking the applause of others. Verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. It's basically saying, do not expect an ovation in heaven if you've sought an applause on earth. Do not expect your heavenly Father to, uh, to applaud you for all of your spiritual work that you've been doing if you have already been seeking to, to, to get that applause from other people on earth. Another way to think about it is he's encouraging this very private faith. And again, you can't absolutize this because we do have to live like lights in the world. We have to let our light shine before people so that they might see our good deeds and glorify God. But there's, a, there's an aspect to Christianity that I think is intended to be very hidden. And this flies in the face of a lot of 
societal narratives that we have that basically wants us to believe that anything that is significant is going to be obvious to a lot of different people and celebrated by a lot of different people. And it simply isn't true. Some of the most impressive spiritual work that you will do in this world will be unnoticed. Some of the most important things that you will do will be things that only you and your heavenly father know about. And that's okay. Do not be seeking out, you know, an advertisement for your spirituality. Be comfortable with the ordinary, normal, and hidden stuff that God is calling you to do. And that will be enough. And you'll be rewarded for it. You will be rewarded for it. But I remember wrestling with God. And just said, this isn't in the text here, but, but even preaching is another thing that's like this for me. It's a spiritual activity where you think, man, if you're preaching, that's, God has to love that. But that's not always the case because preaching can be the same thing. It can be a, an opportunity to try to show other people a spiritual maturity. And I remember being a youth pastor in the basement of Central Christian Church in Beloit, Wisconsin, and wrestling with God because I was like, no one is ever going to see me down here. There's like 20 kids here that don't give a rip. They're here because their parents made them come and uh, no one's ever going to know. And God's like, that's okay. No one has to know. Be okay with the ordinary, with the secret, with the seemingly mundane, but you're doing it in a way where you're acknowledging your heavenly father and he's pleased with you and therefore he will reward you. All right. This week, as I was going through the message, I had some concerns. I had a little bit of pushback, which is very funny to say out loud. It's arrogant. Hey, hey, Jesus, I think you should have done it a little different here. Um, here was my concern. If he's talking about giving to the needy, praying, and fasting, my concern is, aren't we just putting more obstacles in the way of people actually doing these three things? Because we're, we're making a lot of assumptions here that people are going to give to the needy, pray, and fast, and I happen to know we don't always do those things. So how can I encourage the people of Park City Church to give to the needy, to pray, to fast, and some of us aren't doing it, and now I'm doing a teaching that says, oh, by the way, be careful because you could do those things wrong. And so that feels like something that would dissuade people from even trying. And Jesus was like, that's okay. It is okay to dissuade people from even trying these things because there's something that is so dangerous built in here. There's something so dangerous that is built in here. And, and let's, let's try to think through what it is. If you are doing these different activities for the applause of other people, what do you believe about those activities? If, if you're doing your spiritual expressions in a way that is trying to draw attention to you, here's what you're suggesting. I'm doing something right. Do you know what that's called? Self-righteousness. The reason why Jesus is so concerned here is because what he's acknowledging is that there is a tendency in our hearts to do a righteousness that we've created. It's our own righteousness. That's why we're so proud of it. That's why we want other people to see it. The problem here is the problem of self-righteousness. Now, self-righteousness is a big problem because it is one of the most dangerous sins. Think about it like this. 
nobody is capable of telling what's really going on in the human heart. So you could have two people who are giving money to the needy, and they, the, the, you know, two people from Park City, both are giving money to the needy. One person is doing it because they want to be acknowledged by other people, and therefore it's a perversion of what God is intending. And the other person is doing it with sincerity because they are grateful for the generosity of their Heavenly Father. You can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. One is an, is an expression of self-righteousness. The other one is sincere. That's how dangerous this thing is. And people who are self-righteous are, are often also self-deceived. They believe that they are right. And Jesus is warning us over and over again, not so. Not so. Be careful here. You could have two people who are praying and you listen to both of them, and there's, there's similarities between the way that they're praying and the posture that they take and the things that they say, the passion that they display. One person can be doing it for the audience in the room. The other person can be doing it because they're, they're in communion with the Heavenly Father. One person is doing it with self-righteousness. The other is doing it with sincerity. You can't tell. But one person is in grave danger, and the other will be richly rewarded by the Heavenly Father. So, when Jesus puts these things out there, this is serious stuff. Be careful about your heart. So, how, how do we do this? How do we give and pray and fast in a way that is pleasing to God? Two ideas briefly as we wrap up. The first is, what we should feel as we deal with any portion of the Sermon on the Mount, is we should, we should feel this awareness of our spiritual neediness. Remember, the, the sermon started out this way, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're hearing the Lord preach, there should be this acknowledgement that I'm going to need a lot of help here, Lord. I am needy. I need you to help me out. I need you to refine my heart so that I'm doing these things in the right sort of way. And so we're depending on God, and therefore our righteousness that we'll have will be a righteousness of faith. It'll be a dependence. It'll be a trusting in what God will provide for us. It's an awareness of our need, a looking to Him to provide that need. It's a righteousness by faith. That's the first thing that we need to recognize. We need a righteousness by faith. We're not going to be able to Make our own brew of this thing. It's not going to be a homebrew righteousness. It's got to be the righteousness that God alone can provide for us. But the second thing that I think this reminds us of is that if we're going to do this, we're going to have to live with what we could call a heavenly mindedness. We're going to have to live with an awareness of our Father in heaven. Because over and over again, and it shows up in this section and the coming ones as well, over and over again, what it's saying is, you should be aware that your Father is in heaven. So if you're going to do righteousness in a way that is actually right, you're going to have to be thinking about your Heavenly Father. Walking around, reminding yourself that this, this is very temporary and transient, and this is meant to be transformed by the reality of God who is in heaven. And so I'm constantly going to remind myself, I have a heavenly father who's observing all that I'm doing, and he's noticing the inclinations and the motivations of my heart, and I'm going to try to do everything for his sake. And when we do that, I think we're on the right track. 
That is the good news of the gospel, that God loves us enough to send His Son to give us a righteousness by faith and to consistently remind us that He is in heaven, interceding on our behalf. So let's pray, and then let's seek to walk by faith for His glory. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that You would help us to examine our hearts. And these teachings that You've been offering us, Lord, they they are searching. They're hard. They, they take things that we would assume would be intrinsically good, and they remind us that we can even pervert those good things. Giving and praying and fasting, they are beautiful gifts and expressions of our spirituality that are actually meant to be helpful both to us and to this world. And Lord, that's what we want. We want to be generous people. We want to be people who are constantly praying. We want to be people who, who fast but we want to do it in a way that's pleasing to you. So help us not to perform our righteousness so that others might notice it and praise us. Help us to do it for you, for your sake, for your glory, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.